Welcome back to another episode of Ego Friendly, a podcast that promotes self-growth and positivity for listeners. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing the different types of mental health disorders and ways to seek help from mental health professionals during the COVID-19 season. As a continuation to the MIAS series standing for Mental Illness Awareness Series or MIAS, the mental health issue ranges from different types including sleep apnea, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, major depressive disorder, including many more that affects individuals with different backgrounds and biological traits. According to the DSM, there are approximately 20 disorders and 300 mental illnesses that are associated with the human condition. And out of the 300, most disorders and illnesses have no current remedy such as Alzheimer's disease and schizophrenia that is associated with the human condition and are still being studied upon. Today, we'll be discussing two types of mental illnesses that include Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease and ways to seek help from those that are affected by it, including colleagues, friends, and your close loved ones. So let's introduce our first brain disease, which is Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's disease is a progressive disorder that causes brain cells to waste away or degenerate and die. Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of dementia, and it's its continuous decline in thinking, behavioral, and social skills that disrupts a person's inability to function independently, and the early signs of the disease may be forgotten due to uh, a lapse in their thoughts or just forgetting general his- their general history of conversations with one another. The early symptoms of Alzheimer's disease can include memory loss, misplacing items, forgetting the names of places and objects, repeating themselves regularly such as asking the same questions multiple times, uh, becoming less flexible and being more hesitant uh, to try new things. And because of this, this stage can later on develop into something a lot more brutal. In the middle stage symptoms, it can also include increasing confusion and disorientation, obsessive, repetitive, or impulsive behavior, delusions, maybe like believing that things are untrue, maybe seeing some ominous uh, shadow or creature that uh, appears in their minds. And also there's problems with speech or language, such as aphasia, and you might have to, uh, you know, Uh, console help from maybe like a speech pathologist such as for example or speech therapist Um, disturbed sleep is another one right because this person has um, a lot of impulsive behaviors and uh, thoughts this might affect the way they think and because of the things that they are paranoid about it can be hard to sleep and there's also changes in mood such as frequent mood swings depression and this feeling increasingly anxious, frustrated, or even agitated about certain things. Uh, there's also difficulty in performing special tasks, such as judges, judging distances, and yeah, so those are like the critical uh, middle stage symptoms that may include as well. And note that this person might go through maybe early symptoms, right? But it's through monitoring this person will we see if it's getting progressively worse as they enter even potentially uh, the middle stage or even worse, uh, the later symptoms that may include uh, even more uh, harrowing um, 
outcomes. So in this leader symptoms, it includes this difficulty in changing position or moving around with any assistance. And it kind of does link with Parkinson's as well, where this individual has issues just moving around um, because in a way when our brain is very powerful because we have motions and memories and thoughts and everything is just being controlled and stored within that that brain that brain of ours right and it also in- controls our speech our movement of our body blood um, how blood is being run right in our body as well and if the brain were not to, you know, lose cells and if it doesn't have that much uh, asset to it, then it will n- uh, the other parts of your body will not function either through maybe your speech or even your actions. And in the severe symptoms of this uh, of this type of disease, in this case Alzheimer's, you see that this person is going to be potentially losing their uh, movement and just the position in general so that's a really big sign that someone is entering their later stages and um of of alzheimer's disease we also have considerable weight loss um although some people eat too much and put on weight um this can also be a critical issue as well and um there's also gradual loss of speech um which kind of links with um in a way with our brain and how um because of lack of memory it can be hard to regurgitate information to reiterate information and to reflect on uh, memories and stuff like that so a person might be hard to uh, articulate their findings and we also have significant problems with short and long-term memory and linking with speech if you can't memorize you can't recall um you know what happened last day it can be hard to to talk with others and communicate their their um their perspectives with other people and because of that these people are in higher in higher risk of you know being you know stigmatized for not you know for not just being functionable right and it's something that is a big um i think underlooked type of um disease in fact right when we think of disease you might think of like bodily disease um but disease can also range in brains brain disease as well and alzheimer is definitely one of them and it is progressive meaning that uh it doesn't have like uh, like one set of symptoms or one stage of symptoms right this uh alzheimer's disease is broken down into three main stages right and depending on how severe um this person is coming and it all depends on the treatment and how early can we find out if this person has this disease or this um, disease or not right so early symptoms it may include again memory loss right and as we go on gradually we see that these these skills and these uh inherent traits that they have such as memory and speech and movement is going to be minimal and it's going to be limited um because of that um and now you're wondering what are the causes of alzheimer's disease now causes um some factors are unknown but some of them we do know are kind of helpful in identifying if this person may have um this disease or not or may experience this condition so we might think of age um, age is definitely something something that does appear a lot in alzheimer's disease and trends is that 
tend older people and seniors in this case um, tend to experience this later on in their lives um, but again it can really range um, along it can also be something associated with your family history and genetics right so maybe your father has it and there could, it could also be passed down to you um, or another relative of yours has it um, there's also down syndrome head injuries past head trauma so a lot of like head injuries and head traumas anything related to sort of severities in um, one's head um, any physical or mental injuries um, can also influence that and also mild cognitive impairment as well so again these are just listed causes right we don't know i mean that these are the most uh i mean they, they are the majority um but there may be other factors that could play into causing alzheimer's as well but these are definitely the main prominent types and i would say that i think history genetics and age is definitely a big one especially when it comes to alzheimer's uh, because older pe people tend to experience this a lot more than someone who is uh you know in their middle age or even younger so now I would like to move on to a survivor story and survivor story is always helpful because it's, it gives us a chance to look into the perspective of someone who does have this, this who, has, who has faced this mental illness and this mental disease and a ways that we can easily spot that. Um, now this is one out of the many stories of people that experience Alzheimer's so I highly encourage that you might look up like other stories of people that have influenced Alzheimer's, have survived Alzheimer's, had a relative that was impacted by Alzheimer's or others in your community as well and do not just linger and just think that this is the only story that uh, Alzheimer's uh, people experiencing Alzheimer's has have. So I pull out a story from Roger. Roger is a 71 year old man and he is experiencing Alzheimer's disease. So here was what was reported. It was he referred to a psychiatrist by his primary care doctor for symptoms of depression that had not responded to medication. Roger's wife reported that he had begun to change at age 68, about a year after his retirement. He had stopped playing golf and cards, which he had enjoyed for decades. He no longer looked forward to going out of the house and he refused to socialize. Instead, he sat on the couch all day and watched TV or napped. His wife said he was sleeping 10 to 13 hours a day instead of his normal 7 hours. Right, this is very worrisome so this person is definitely discontinuing you know their daily activities maybe it's because they, they they lost their train of thought or they they don't really remember it after all and it's interesting that he experiences this after his retirement as well so maybe like different stages in one's life right so maybe like after retirement when you reach that age where you're kind of like an elder now and you're kind of well off and established in your many many years of practicing your career um, at age 68 um, he began to have these early symptoms just no longer socializing and just being isolated so we'll see what is in store in roger's stories with this his wife had become worried that retirement had left roger depressed and she had mentioned her concerns to the primary care doctor the doctor agreed and prescribed an antidepressant roger's symptoms did not 
improve on the medication and the doctor then referred him to the psychiatric evaluation very interesting right so in this case his wife had assumed that he had some experience some stage of depression which is logical here because you know he's you know not he's isolating himself right so this might be uh impact sleeping 10 to 13 hours a day he's basically just sleeping the whole day and that can also shows that sometimes mental health disease um, mental health illnesses are going to be overlapping their symptoms with one another right um it's interesting to hear in this case that there's some some symptoms of depression within in his story of alzheimer's as well so there's definitely an overlap in this case the answer here is not depression or any type of um, major depression and other types of illness related to that but something different so let's see what made it um, to that point roger's past psychiatric history was noted because one of his younger brothers had major depression hmm. this was treated with psychotherapy and antidepressant medication his mother however had developed dementia in her 70s so this is a big one here major depression um, which was experienced by um, his younger brothers so he might have an association with that but notice how he uh, did not have depression but he had what his mother had which was like a form of dementia and she said that he um he said that she uh his mother had developed dementia in her 70s so in this case this is definitely like kind of relaying it to him as well right? he's kind of approaching his years of entering his 70s so in this case this might affect how it is a little backstory about roger roger graduated from college with a degree in business had a fairly successful career as a corporate manager and then he retired at again 67 he and his family had then remarried had sorry had been married for 45 years and said there were no major marital problems had three children four grandchildren um who were in all in good health before this he had been outgoing energetic and well organized then he noticed that there was high blood pressure high cholesterol and was taking medication for these conditions the exam shows that he was alert and cooperative but had a steady but slow speech interesting right so high blood pressure high cholesterol and had a steadily slow speech right so maybe it also impairs one's reaction time through their emotional expression and even through because they can't express it uh, through speech roger had a limited range of emotional expression and he was denied feeling sad or guilty because he felt uh, he had retired too early. He's aware that his wife was concerned, agreed that he had less energy and was less active in the past. He blamed these changes on his retirement. Um, during the exam, Roger could name the year, but not the month or the day of the week for his appointment. He remembered one of the three objects in two minutes, performed three of five subtractions correctly, named four common objects correctly, and a repeated complex sentence without error. He was able to draw the fact of a clock and place the numbers correctly, but he was not able to correctly place the hands at 10 minutes after two. Interesting. So it seems like he does have uh, an a bigger image a bigger picture of like what is systematically set in his memory but it seems like certain components in here like the 10 minutes after two that he had to uh replace and kind of modify or even with um 
you know, he could tell, he could name the year, but he could not name, like, you know, the specific aspects, like the month, the day, or the week. So it's interesting to see that this person, in this case, shows sort of like this inconsistent trend of memory. Um, so that's definitely something is there. So you might be tricked thinking that this person maybe has a mild case, but in this case, it in this case, it is, this person is experiencing a mild case. And I would say that they probably might be experiencing something that is in, like, the early years of their, of, of the symptoms of Alzheimer's um, because they, they still have the general like system set in their mind about what is uh, the month, the day, the week, but they still need to sort of, they still have sort of an impairment of the specificness of it. Um, so it's like you could tell what, you know, if it's sunny or it's rainy, but you can't tell exactly what hour of the day it is um, in that case, right, which is a little bit more specific. Um, so in this case, Water was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. He had a three-year history of gradual social withdrawal. Wow. He had a family history of depression in a brother and a late-life dementia in his mother. So in this case, the main symptoms that I want to reiterate again in his story was then slowness, the lack of concern about his decline, right? Um, you know, he, he wasn't really concerned. Uh, he was aware that he, his wife was concerned, but he realized that, I mean, like, he had less energy, right? Maybe because he's going older, right? And I think that's definitely something that can be a misconception, especially when um, senior folks are... Um, experiencing this uh this stage uh this uh, this disease in general because you might think that oh i'm slowing down uh, maybe that's why um but it can also be in in linked with this uh form of illness as well um and then he also had increased sleep so the exam shows that he had problems in memory concentration and math as well as trouble with clock drawing and these are definitely uh you know psychological exams used to um, determine if he is you know, just to verify if he is associated with any form of symptoms related to any um, mental illness detected. So that is Roger's story. Um, we definitely see that there was a lot of things that we discussed earlier with uh, the symptoms and the causes of it, right? Sometimes it can be, um, you know, related to family and sometimes it links with age, right? His mother experienced um, her form of dementia in the age of 70. He approached that um during the age of 60, 67 to 68. So it can even happen earlier, right? Um, but in that case, it's just a good way to sort of calculate if you have, if you are going to be experiencing those changes, um, comparing that to people in your family who have experienced that illness in their uh, threshold of age. So then you're able to see and modify that as well. Um, and I guess plan ahead before before the symptoms get worse. So that is Alzheimer's disease, and that is through, um, uh, that's through Roger's story again. Uh, so now I do want to talk about the remedies. Now, obviously, Alzheimer's disease is still being researched upon, and legislation for change, especially for like the funding of Alzheimer's research, is still on the run. There has been changes over time, especially if you look at AIM, which is this um, organization that aims to um, aims aims to um, sort of advocate for those that are experiencing Alzheimer's disease and they have like survivor stories here so I highly recommend go to Alzheimer's um, or just go to AIM um, in general they are a wonderful organization and still working closely with the uh, legislative and congressional branch in order to have um, 
in order to have uh, better access to uh, research um, on the disease as well, right? It's called the Alzheimer's Impact Movement, and it's really there to help advance and develop policies to help increase sort of research, care, and support for those that are influenced by Alzheimer's. So I highly recommend that you can learn about their motto, what they're about, and also donate as well um, if you're interested in the cause, so I highly recommend. Um, But anyway, now let's talk about the uh, the potential uh, solutions that one can do or things that you can do. You have detected that someone might have this case and it's been verified psychologically and by a health expert. So according to the site, there's medication, therapy, self-care, and nutrition are the four main things that you can do to te- like sort of treat it in a way, right? Not to solve it, but in a way treat it. Um, and those are definitely the ones as well. Um, creating a safe and supportive environment. So this is like adapting the living situation to the needs of a person with Alzheimer's disease is really important. I think just having like a plan um, about um, ones, about ways to, and it's just a small, you know, actions that really matters, right? Um, so one way, one thing that they suggest is always keeping keys, wallets, and mobile phones and other valuables in the same place at the home, so that whenever someone with Alzheimer's comes in, they actually like kind of are able to spot the patterns um, in in the household and are able to grasp those keys or those items um, efficiently. Um, I think if you're able, if you're scattering those things, it's easier. It just makes it a lot more complex for them to sort of reach into their memory to find out where they would put it. And if you're able to just modify and just do the simple things with your memory and your mind and, you know, just placing those items there and just keeping a consistent uh, plan definitely consistency is very important um, can help them sort of learn gradually about the patterns that evokes um, also developing that habit right of carrying a mobile phone uh, with location cap- capability this is really important um, especially if you're going shopping or if you're going like anywhere this day definitely wear a mask but if you're going anywhere um, these days maybe you're going to the medical center right, or like a mental health facility right and this person you know might be lost um, in their train of thought they might be going somewhere else um, it's always important to have like a mobile phone and like a location capability connector and connect that with your phone or your device as well so you're able to tell where this person is and i know there's other maybe like devices and technological devices that could be catered to those that are impacted by alzheimer's but i think like just having something where you can detect um, where um, the individual is is definitely important as well. It's definitely there to hold those, hold these people accountable, and um, yeah, just make sure that you are protecting them for their safety. Uh, using a calendar or whiteboard at home to track daily schedules and building this habit of just checking off what's been completed is also important as well. So you definitely see this trend of like habit and consistency. It's definitely something that you do want to like at least modify your schedule and your plan with, um, because. Um, uh, by following the schedule routinously, they're able to just get back, wake up in the morning, and especially have a plan and idea um, because, I mean, it's always there. I know with phones these days, they have their own calendars as well. That's even more important with technology um, popping up with a screen like today, you're going to do this. Um, you know, coffee's on the table at this time. It makes it a lot more um, efficient and it helps a lot, helps assist you, you and the other person um, experiencing Alzheimer's. 
Also removing excess uh, furniture and clutter is definitely another one as well. We want to keep it like a fresh, clean space for them to work with and everything, right? And you know, if you the more items you put into the desk place, the more it's gonna be like disfigured, the more it's gonna be messy, and they're probably gonna forget where the items are. So just keeping it simple so that you're able to just clean it up afterwards, or um, just keeping it as accessible as possible but not too overly cluttered or messy will definitely help and it can yeah remain that that theme of like organization and consistency and lastly to exercise regularly and to eat healthy right um that's definitely a really big one as well we want to make sure that this person is able to recover um at least and be are treated uh both mentally and physically uh, by eating more healthy nutritious food that um fruits vegetables are definitely in there as well greens um that that can help that person um, go through that there's medications right that they have to take regularly um definitely um put that in that schedule um exercising regularly i know this is going to be a difficult uh one right now especially during quarantine um but there's always uh you know mental exercises or um things that they can do um to help uh like consistently practice their memory i know that mind games and brain games are also another one as well like scrabble or other games that are helpful uh, for those that are experiencing mental health issues that's definitely another aspect that you can definitely go into and research upon because um through that maybe they're able to uh, read upon that reading is also another one as well slowly grasping books every day and socially it's just remembering words and speech uh writing um form of silent communication whether that's in like writing or signals and language sign language whatever um that's definitely another aspect as well because speech is also another impairment that's happening um for this person in general um and specifically with eating healthy there is also dietary um suggestions so again leafy greens such as kale spinach collard and mustard greens are highly um endorsed uh crucifers uh vegetables sort of broccoli cauliflower bok choy brussels sprouts uh, etc berries and cherries and then pumpkin squash asparagus tomatoes carrots and beets like the good old um, vegetables and greens that we all love and enjoy definitely um, employ that into the dish or so and um, just making sure that because these are great uh, brain food that it, that can be helpful to um, toll this this um this uh, disease that is happening um and now for actual things that you can control during this time right so i believe mental health facilities are open but i think in a certain uh set of time um and also i think there's also virtual meetings as well and appointments um but if you can see a neurologist a neurologist is someone that specializes in treating diseases of the nervous system which includes the brain the spinal cord and the nerves and also psychiatrists which specializes in the branch of medicine concerned with the diagnosis and treatment of mental illnesses so these professionals are definitely there to definitely just analyze and just scan this person's brain seeing um you know the gradual changes and shifts happens obviously i do not know this in general but if you do want to research a neurologist near you a psychiatrist i highly recommend um as well but i think doing things that you can't control such as food and diet uh diet 
dietary or even just managing your own schedule and plan that can help that individual is definitely something that you can do as well and that person will thank you a lot um, at the end of the day so that is that is alzheimer's disease i hope this was uh like was beneficial in a way um now i'm gonna move on to parkinson's disease so parkinson's disease similar to alzheimer's disease is also another brain um mental illness here but it is a form of progressive nervous system disorder and much like alzheimer in a way it also affects movement but it's a bit different very very uh symptoms starts gradually sometimes starting in a barely noticeable tremor in just one hand so something very small and slight that someone might not notice something just tiny can become something worse tremors are common but the disorders also commonly cause a stiffness uh, or slowly slowing of movement in the early stage of parkinson's disease your face may also show little or no expression your arms may not swing when you walk so you're kind of impaired there, right? Um, uh, Parkinson's disease symptoms may vary from person to person, but early signs may be mild and may be, may be a notice, right? You see that tremor in that person's hand. It might be something small, but it gradually over time can become worse. Uh, symptoms often begin on one side of the body and usually get worse and even after the symptoms begin to affect both sides of the body. So here are the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Symptoms of Parkinson's disease include tremors, trembling of hands, which include arms, legs, jaws, and face, stiffness of the arms, so the legs and the trunk, slowness of movement, poor balance and coordination, along with speech difficulty. Uh, so again, kind of sharing some, some similar uh, characteristics to Alzheimer's disease where there's almost a speech impairment where this person really have trouble just, mem- just talking about speech. But unlike Alzheimer's disease, it's more about the, 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 the memory um, the memory loss that's kind of uh, getting worse later on and deteriorating over um, the set amount of time. Uh, this person is basically more about just physical attributes in motion, right? So slowness of movement, the stiffness in this person's arms and leg, and also with the early symptom that uh, trembling, whether that's in the hands, the arms, or legs, or even face. Um, and you might be wondering, what are the causes then? What are the causes to Parkinson's disease? Now, sadly, it's unfortunate to say that uh, that though it's known that Parkinson's disease is caused due to the death of dopamine, which is secret secreting neurons in the brain, the exact chain- cause of this damage is still sadly unknown. Um, it's still being researched upon. That's why I highly recommend that. Um, you definitely try to find websites or other programs or get yourself involved into this um, and this movement and this part um, research as well and it's believed that environment and genetics play a role like many other diseases and mental illnesses certain medications like toxins and other diseases can also produce symptoms similar to Parkinson's disease as well so maybe sometimes when you uh, medications that you take may also influence that and then it is known that a secondary part Parkinsonism, which may be reversible. Interesting, right? So it's still being researched upon, but there are factors that play into it, which is either through environment and genetics and also certain types of medications as well. Complications of Parkinson's disease may include depression, speech dysfunction, urinary incontinence, sleep problems, swallowing difficulty, and sexual dysfunction. So now we are going to go to the survivor stories. 
Now, this survivor story is again one of the the, the large, the majority amount of people that experience Parkinson's disease. But in this story, it is about a woman named Amy, and Amy is someone who experienced Parkinson's. So <clears throat> she first began to notice this rigid rigidity and sort of chronic pain in her fingers so that's definitely like a big sign right this almost trembling in her fingers then traveled up to her wrist and her arms interesting right so now it's like something that is moving um it's definitely something active in um her in her body this act was accompanied by tremors and shakes that occurred all over their body for no apparent reason. This then progressed into severe fatigue and another common symptom of Parkinson's disease, a change in voice to a lower, quieter tone. Oh, that's definitely something that we did not mention earlier. So maybe there is a change in the tone of one's voice as well, besides the fact that this person might also have speech difficulties, which in this case is the lowering of their tone. So as a teacher, the symptoms of Parkinson's soon began to affect her life. The fatigue would make it difficult to get through the working day, particularly in a profession that requires constant engagement and interaction with others. Her tremors and walkings began to get worsened. When this began, she visited the doctor once again to express her concerns concerns and her Parkinson's diagnosis followed not long after. As a natural academic, Amy gravitated towards research following her diagnosis. Definitely very, very proactive in her case here and she's definitely using that to uh, benefit herself and um, being more educated. She wanted to know as much about Parkinson's disease as possible. She looked into complementary treatments, searching for something that would potentially help her life to be as normal as possible. After trawling through a ton of research papers and a different information, Amy was particularly interested in the way certain supplements could possibly ease Parkinson's disease symptoms. She noted in particular the benefits of NAC and alpha lipic acid. This interest in supplements led her to uh, the uh, organization. Curiosity is what led her to this. So basically, we see that there's this change that she occurred, which is we don't really see what's happening to her. Like, does it update again, right? Um, but now it's been proved she has regained energy um, and movement um, based off of her research. Uh, she completed a half marathon, um, you know, just changing that narrative of, you know, not... Uh, it's being, you know, mo motion uh, impaired, uh, feeling great all the way. You can see that she describes her experience in a very, you know, joyful and enthusiastic way. So definitely see that this is a very successful story that is needed to be put in light here. And it's through this research and experience of, um, and her as a victim and survivor that she began to use that to her favor and you know end up benefiting herself through this half marathon that she ran um later on in may but i think the 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 earlier symptoms and definitely things that are definitely eye-opening here was with like the lowering the lowering of um their of her tone there's also the fatigueness that she felt and definitely how it affected her job as a teacher as well which is a job that's heavily engaged in interactions with students and constant engagement right and also this effect that she might not long she might no longer have to continue her job but she knew that she must persist and that's definitely the magic of these uh survivor stories that i do want to share with us is that um these are stories that are real these are stories of people that have you know in a way lived through this illness 
and it's really up to them to document that through the power of writing through the power of that that interview process is are they able to share their light and share this with other people and making mental illnesses and mental health something more hopefully um progressively in this day and age more normalized um so that is amy's story on uh, parkinson's disease again experiencing this severe fatigue that not only affects herself but also the people around her in the community so now you might be wondering how are some ways that we can at least help certain types of people in this case and um you know especially if you have someone that is associated with parkinson's disease well, there's different ways. So there's something called deep brain stimulation, right? It is a surgical procedure to treat motor symptoms such as stiffness, slowed movement, tremor, rigidity, and walking problems. We also have something called carbidopa slash levodopa, enteral suspension. And basically, it's a drug that's delivered to the small intestine through a tube in the stomach through a keyhole that's made through surgery so again these are more surgical procedures and i've definitely we're definitely worried about this there's definitely other ways that you can tool that but sadly through this process it has to because it has to it links with your body and movement it has to be a like a surge a surgery physical surgery we have telem telematomy which is destruction of a part of the thalamus thalamus is part of the brain by the way um to help alleviate movement disorders so you can definitely do something as related to your mind because again it can also control movement as well in this case it can help alleviate movement disorder but it's it's not 100 percent verified that it will again please note and then polydotomy polydotomy is destruction of the globus pallidus which is again a central part of the brain the part of the brain that's responsible for symptoms of parkinson's disease so again which is kind of looking over that and seeing if we can anyway just kind of limit the the symptoms of parkinson's disease in general now you can also uh, re- recall to a you can definitely recall to a neurologist a neurologist again is someone who specializes in treating diseases of the nervous system which includes the brain the spinal cord and the nerves and we also have a speech therapist speech therapist is also could be handy for alzheimer's as well especially if that person is experiencing um, severities in that field um, but again speech therapist is a health professional that specializes in evaluating and treating voice speech language or swallowing disorders so definitely uh can definitely look into that as well and they do have um i guess experiences um both physically and also maybe um virtual appointments um, depending on the location that you're in as well so that is parkinson's disease and that kind of wraps up the second video in my mia series um which is the mental um the mental illness awareness series and um yeah right uh hope you enjoy this episode and yeah goodbye